Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker, uh, the 14th of February. Uh, to some of you, it's also known by Valentine's Day. And to that end, uh, you've only got two losers on uh, this week. Uh, to be fair, Sai is going to have engagements. I'm the only loser on uh, this week. Uh, Sai, how's it going, bro? Not too bad, man. I noticed you had your, your lovers and friends voice on just then. That really wasn't the what just happened. sounds of Mariah. <laughs> that wasn't my intention. Um, but yeah, <laughs> let's let's catch up on what has been, as always, a, a busy week in the NBA. So uh, we'll do it how we usually do it, where we kind of go and we just talk about some of the stories from this week that's kind of caught our eye. Just get your thoughts. Um, I'm going to start with a certain Trey Young um, who got himself a fine to the tune of $20,000. Uh, this week based on um, his directing inappropriate language towards a game official uh, in the Hawks' very close uh, 117 to 118 loss to the Mavs. Uh, Yeah, what? Trey's got a bit of a dog in him now. What's going on here? Mate, I I feel like he was overcompensating, I can't lie. When when you're that small with the wispy little hair, it comes off a little funny in the light when you're you're getting aggressive to the refs. Because I ain't seen that. When it comes to him against uh, seven foot players or six foot six foot six guards or wings, like keep that same energy across the board, man. You, you know the thing is true, and you know the thing with Trey, he's had a he's had an up and down season. Obviously, he puts his numbers up. I would know he's on my fantasy team, um, but um, you know he had he had the stuff with John Collins. He had his idol Steve Nash calling him out, saying the way he plays isn't basketball. And he had a couple of bad weeks where it really affected the way he played. But he's back to putting up big numbers. Um, but I think he's in a he's in an interesting period because um, the the Hawks have retooled. Obviously, they they want to make a, a go at actually becoming a, a, at least a fringe playoff team, playing team at worst. But there's a lot of question marks around um, if. You can win with Trey being your your number one options, especially the way he he plays a game. Um, difficult shots very early in the shot clock. Uh, other players not getting a touch, and I guess that kind of leads into the fact that um, the Hawks are looking to trade uh, John Collins. Obviously, they kind of they they made their intentions a bit obvious where they didn't sign him up to the contract he was looking for uh, in the summer, in the autumn, whatever you want to call the off season. But what are your thoughts about them looking to trade John Collins? Yeah, so they'd said they're listening to offers, which to me muddies the water a little bit. 
Um, obviously, without him signing that extension, they're sort of in, in a rock and a hard place, to be perfectly honest, where obviously he is a massive commodity. He's a massive asset. And to not get any return value for him would be a failing on their part. So I think for them to be listening to offers is either to sort of try and make the best out of a bad situation and get some first round draft picks, things of that nature, and a little bit of quality in return in terms of playing stuff, or they're just sort of panicking. It's like one or the other. They're, they're going to have to... They're going to have to offer him something in the summer if they wish to keep him. And because of his production, losing him would be detrimental to their to their sort of uh, playoff run anyway. So I think, I think for me, the outcome I sort of see happening is them doing a sign and trade in the off season, mm. where they give him the money that he is sort of offered elsewhere, but then trade him for somebody who actually makes them instantly better or keeps him at a similar level. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, what do you think of Collins as a player yourself? What What are your observations on him? Um, he's doing all right this season. So he's 18 points, uh, eight rebounds, uh, almost two assists. He's uh, 54% from the field, 39% from three, uh, 85% from the free throw line. So on the surface, uh, he, he has he has good numbers. Um, but what are your thoughts about Collins as a player? And what do you think about his game um, may have led to them perhaps thinking um, we want to trade him out for, for a better piece? So I'm big on John fit. Collins. Uh, yeah. leading, into, leading into this season, especially I had him listed high on my most improved player watch if you will, um, alongside like the likes of Jeremy Grant. Um, so for me, I'm a massive fan of John Collins. Um, his game is well-rounded enough for him to be an asset pretty much anywhere. He can play the stretch five if needed. He's athletic. He can shoot. He's, he's basically got a bit of everything. The only thing that he's lacking is defense. But again, for young players, you sort of expect that. Um, so if he starts to retool on that end of the floor and really starts to focus in with the effort, you've got an all-star caliber player there. Um, for me, this season, the sort of changes that the Hawks have made have stifled him to a bit. They're obviously trying to get the best out of Trey Young, and understandably so. And with the shooters that are around, there's less touches to go directly to, to Collins. Um so a lot of the time, I do feel like he gets into games a bit slower than he did before. He's yeah. a 20 and 10 guy last season. So you can see the the, the small drop off yeah. in, in point production. Um, but yeah, I just I just feel like that that little rift that they had of him complaining about how many touches he's he's gotten, maybe it just messed up the the flow of their offense and the, the dynamics between them uh, to his detriment more than anybody else. Yeah, because they're always going to keep the, the ball in Trey's hand with him being the the, the, the scorer that he is. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you. Atlanta probably is not the home for John if if Trey is where they they want to go. And yeah, there'll be there'll be a plethora of teams in the league that will be more than happy to to take him off their hands. So I think that that works for for both parties. Um, next thing I wanted to discuss with you, uh, Sai, uh, one of the NBA's preeminent scorers, Carl Anthony Towns, who's uh, come back from a long layoff with COVID. He's had a hell of a time, man. 
He lost his mom. He's lost multiple family members to this disease, um, to this virus. Um, and he's he's had some time off now uh, and he's back. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts because he had, he had quite a bit to say as well um, when he came on his uh, on his return. He's, he's never been a shrinking violet, to be honest. And he, he's been front and centre uh, a lot more than most players during this whole uh, pandemic. Yeah, one hundred percent. He didn't seem he didn't seem particularly pleased with the way that the NBA has been going about COVID protocols and things of that nature, um, which is becoming a growing sentiment around the league. Um, it's super unfortunate for him to be one of the players that's been even more affected by it than he was previously. Like to be the person contracting the virus and to go through like three days of testing, two two negative and then a positive in the third day. It's, it's, it's not good, man. It, it proves it proves that like the travel, the sort of interaction with teams that maybe are taking a more lax approach, um, it can spring up at any time. And it's, negative, it's negatively affected the league throughout the course of the season. But to have somebody who's had, had that battle with so much loss to have to directly go through it again is, is, is a bit of a travesty, to be honest. Yeah, he had he had quite a bit to say um, after their game against Charlotte because Charlotte's uh, coach James Borrego he he wasn't allowed in the arena uh, until an hour before tip off because the team were waiting for results. Uh, PJ Washington also was going to be unavailable for the game, and and Kyle was kind of like, well, despite what the results say, the fact that you're even holding things up, basically, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, the fact that you're even holding things up based on this. That means they've been. There's been some level of exposure among their team. They're now interacting with our team, um, but I think that the NBA has basically taken the 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 position of basically head down. If it's bad, we'll postpone the game and we'll play another date. But we are not pausing this season. We're not doing anything of the sort. Um, and we we know why. It's a big corporation. Too much. Listen, we we've heard the players' comments about the All Star game. Um, yeah. Um, for the most part, the NBA is always kind of a leader in terms of like the communities giving people kind of like, and we've championed how well they've kind of been role models over the last decade or so. Um, but essentially, I think when it comes down to to, to the, the, bear, the brass tax of it, um, the zeros are gonna they're gonna matter, aren't they? Um, so yeah, yeah, cat uh, coming back and everything that we see every single week has just been a demonstration of it. Um, at times, it, it does ruin the spectacle. We'll, we'll get onto that uh, a bit later when we're talking about some of the teams um, because of players who are ha- who are healthy for all other uh, intents and purposes having to miss games due to being in close proximity with people who have COVID or suspected of having COVID. Um, so it can take away from games that you're looking forward to at times. Um, but yeah, we'll just, again, continue to play it by ear unless there's some sort of mass... Uh, breakout and it could potentially happen after All-Star with the amount of players who are going to be all around each other going back to their team the amount of people who are going to break the COVID rules by bringing people who are not players into their into their vicinity that could be the straw that bakes the camel's back so yeah we'll we'll keep it we'll keep an eye on that for sure on 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 that just just one last piece I guess the the bubble sort of gave us all a false sense of security in terms of A the intentions and B the execution of the plans to sort of keep things ticking over. But when you factor in how how many games are being played, how much travel is involved, this sort of letting fa- letting some fans back in in certain cities and all of this stuff, it is just a recipe for disaster. And like, 
I'm really, really hoping that they manage to weather the storm during the All-Star All-Star break, if you will. Um, because yeah, that could totally disrail derail the season. Um, teams that are sort of vying for those last playoff spaces are gonna be the ones that are hit the most. Um, and ultimately it could just lock off the whole thing, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm hoping they manage to figure it out because the way it's trending is not good. Agreed, agreed. And finally, I guess this is a bit of a more lighter positive news to end on. Uh, a certain Carmelo Anthony has moved up to 12th all-time on the NBA's scoring list, uh, 26,711 points. Um, I wanted to have a conversation, a, a little conversation about Melo, his legacy. Um, when we discuss scorers, um, just just to get your thoughts. I know you're a student of the game. You've, you've watched it for a long time now. So I start just to uh, get your thoughts on Melo, the achievement itself, because when you look at the names, you've got Hakeem's ahead of him, Elvin Hayes, Moses Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, but he's just gone past Oscar Robertson, um, Dominique Wilkinson, 14th, Tim Duncan, Paul Pierce, John Havlicek, uh, KG, Vince Carter, Alex English. You're talking about real, real legends of the game. Um what what are your thoughts on the achievement and and Carmelo's career? It's an amazing achievement, and it's it's right in line with what Melo's project, projections were when he came into the league. The guy was lights out. Um, his his game is just so fluid and so enjoyable to watch. Anyway, that like you, as as a fan, you sort of want to attribute as much as much like impressive. Uh, impressive uh, achievements and, and accolades and things of that nature to his name, even though he's slightly fallen short of what the expectations were. Um, him as just an individual, he can score from all three levels. He's got one of the best post games in the game. Mid-range, he's absolute butter. And obviously his three-point shot has sparked probably the most notable celebration in the NBA with the little fingers to the head. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, like he's an all-time great scorer. I mean, it's 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 pretty funny. Um, I've 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 got a younger brother, and he was a big Mellow fan growing up, and has modelled his game quite largely around him. They're even similar stature and What's that, a black, have a black similar holes, face black too. Holes on, black holes <laughs> on offense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, the ball gets to his hands, and and that's it. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 quite funny. Like when um the night we heard about Kobe just just prior we had been having a conversation about how Kobe, Mello and Tracy McGrady line up as the natural scorers of the game. Um, because realistically, there's not too many people that can do what they do in terms of both the volume, the difficulties of shots and, and that, that unyielding sort of desire to just score no matter who's in front of you. And we've seen Mello do it for the duration of his career. Mm. So... This brings me on to uh, the discussion about <clears throat> pure scorers, or yeah, I'm doing air quotes here for those of you who are listening and not watching. Um, so just to give you some perspective, firstly, in terms of how um, Melo stacks up with players currently playing, Steph Curry, 17,206 points. KD, 23,436 points. James Harden, 21,375 points and Russell Westbrook, 20,740 points. Um, looking at the, the list, uh, he should make the top 10 by the end of this season. Hell of an achievement. Um, but 
But I want to get your thoughts on the idea of a pure scorer. What what is a a pure scorer, and essentially what does it mean? Because of who he was drafted alongside LeBron James, mainly played the same position. Obviously, Melo won his um, ch- chip with Syracuse, um, so they were kind of like put against each other their whole careers. Basically, they had some great battles, um, and there's always this discussion if you switch them. Melo would have some chips, LeBron wouldn't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Melo is a better pure scorer. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts around that. So for me, for me, it boils down to the skill, the skill level of that particular guy. So with LeBron, his his game is largely based on, well, was largely based on his athleticism first, and then obviously his ability to sort of find mismatches and angles and things of that nature. Whereas Melo, literally, no matter where you give him the ball, he can get a bucket. And that's his primary focus. You put the ball in his hands, he's going to score. You put the ball in a T-Max hands, he's going to score. You put the ball in a Kobe's hands, they're going to score. Those are the pro- those are the, the pure scorers of the game. Um, and it's not just limited to shooting either. It's can they do a post-up? Can they get to the rim? Um, in isolation plays, can they dictate that matchup? And all of those type of those type of aspects of the game, um, Melo has all of that. Melo Melo is one of the purest scorers we've ever seen. Probably for me in that in that conversation for like the top top three to five best scorers that we've ever seen in the NBA. Okay, interesting. So um, LeBron James um, has a ha- scored more higher higher points per game than him. Who to use a better scorer, Le- LeBron or Carmelo? I'd say Melo. Melo can get it done from okay, interesting. Many okay, a interesting. different way. Interesting. So, um, to me, and um, this is this has always been my thought. Simply agreed. He's got loads of different ways, but we can talk about how limited uh, uh, LeBron's um, skill set in terms of scoring is. But if he's able to consistently put up his better numbers more efficiently than Melo regular season and playoffs, doesn't that make him the better scorer? Uh, I would say it makes him maybe the most the most dominant scorer. I'd say it means that obviously his longevity is is one of his biggest assets and how many times he's been deep into the playoffs. I think for for all intents and purposes, the volume at which you score doesn't necessarily dictate the skill level of your scoring ability. And that's what I would boil it down to. It's like, if you're if you're playing more games, if you're getting deeper into the playoffs, if you're basically just able to dictate who you have around you, getting the most touches, all of these things, naturally you're probably going to score more points. Um, so don't boil it down just to the numbers because the eye test in this, in this instance speaks volumes. It wasn't until um, quite late into LeBron's LeBron's time with uh, Miami where he started to post up a lot more and started to diversify his offense. Mm. We've seen we've seen LeBron James basically get shaded on on defense by the San Antonio Spurs in a final series, them daring him to shoot. You can't take those you can't take those liberties with a with a Carmelo. And that, to me, speaks volumes for his ability. And obviously, in, I don't like to do the comparison with Bron because it's 
it's yeah. far far removed from yeah, yeah. from what it what what it was at the beginning um but yeah there there are holes or there were holes in lebron's offense whereas there were no holes in mellows in terms of scoring so it's two ways to look at it interesting interesting yeah so it's, it's always been a it's always been something that's i've never quite um been able to decide necessarily like Yes, that like KD, a, a Melo, a Kobe, they have the nice aesthetic scoring game and they have different ways they can score against you. But even taking away volume, when I put up how how many points they were able to put up a game across their careers. So this is obviously you coming into the league, your prime, and then the time when you're past your prime. Um, he's he's able to outscore them all. Um, so does that not make him a, a better scorer than those guys? But you you raised some good points there. So um, yeah, shout out Mello, man. Shout out Mello because I think um, with the not the whole not winning the chip thing, the whole how new, um, the time in New York went down and how he was actually basically had to go on first take to beg for like give me a like this. You're talking about one of the like you said one of the, the greatest scorers we've ever seen in the NBA. Um, the fact that he's been able to find some sort of a home in Portland with. Lillard and those guys there. Um, it's, it's been great to watch. So yeah, shout out Melo and just keep dropping buckets for as long as you can, bro. Um, but let's come back to this week's NBA. Let's talk about a, a few teams. Um, let's start with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they're 18 and nine now. Uh, they played the uh, Phoenix Suns yesterday uh, and they lost, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, don't know if you knew this, but they have a uh, four and five record against teams who are uh, 500 and above. Um, they lost 120 to 111 yesterday. So obviously uh, they've got a leading MVP candidate in Joel Embiid uh, on their roster. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the 76ers because um, they're getting some of that... Um, heat that the um, Lakers got last year where it's like, well, yeah, you're beating the cannon fodder, but, you know, whenever you go up against a really good team, you're not quite getting it done. So what have you seen about from the 76ers? What have you liked? What haven't you liked? What are you looking to see as the season goes on? So I like the fact that they've addressed the floor spacing. Um, that was a major concern, or it's always a concern, to be perfectly honest with them. When you've got a 6-10 point guard and then Joel Embiid with Harris just taking up space. Obviously, the, the the floor looks a bit cluttered. Um, they've addressed that. Obviously, Seth Curry has played his part. Like, but they're still a Doc Rivers team. For me, like, I look at them and I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, regular season, I can't take too much away from this because you could get bounced in the first round. You could get bounced in the second round and no one would really bat an eyelid. Um, Joel Embiid has obviously elevated his game. He's doing all the things that we hoped he would do, and he's staying active for the whole duration of games, both ends of the floor. Um, it's great to see Ben Simmons is defending like a man possessed. He's looking like the best defender in the in the league. Um, but they just don't seem to have that killer instinct. I think when 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 the game gets close in clutch in crunch, crunch moments, diverting the ball to Tobias Harris. Mm. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, he's. Do you think that how much of an issue do you think that is due to Ben Simmons and the, the makeup of his offensive game, or do you think everybody pointing fingers at Ben is kind of just a cop out? 
I think it's, it's, it's getting into that cop-out territory for me. Um, there's so much that he does on the floor and there's so much pressure he alleviates off of the other wing players and even Tobias Harris when it comes to defensive assignments. Um, the problem for them is, like, Ben, ben Simmons can get his buckets. He, he's, he's a good scorer. He can get to the rim at will and nobody's going to stop him. But you need that little bit more from the guys around him if that's going to be the case. So you need guys that are lights out from from three. You need guys that can create their own shot. And at the minute, they literally only have one other guy to do it. And he's not he's not upper tier all-star level. So it looks a little funny in the light when the ball gets dished off to Tobias Harris and it's like, take us over the line, especially after two years ago, they had Jimmy Butler to do that. So when you're looking at it, when you're looking at all the ingredients for them to be a, a championship level team, it falls just short. And it's not because these players aren't good. It's just the ingredients don't necessarily mesh to have complete synergy across the board. Agreed. I think um, with LeBron's getting to the finals every single year, a, he's kind of like the great equaliser and, and whatever a team lacks, he's sent to kind of contribute in that area to, to lift their bottom level. But uh, And then we've also had the Golden State Dynasty too. But um, people underestimate how difficult it is to actually um, win titles, especially when you have a team made up of more like traditional players. Like you're talking LeBron, you're talking Steph, you're talking KD, you're talking... K you're that Golden State team is special. And for like two two or so years, nobody was on anywhere near them. Then that was before they got KD. Then they go and add one of the best scorers in NBA history. Um, so it's interesting. I think they'll definitely still be on the lookout for additional pieces just to take them over that edge, see if there's any trades that they can make just to um, just to look at those deficiencies. But we'll keep our eye on them. They're, they're top of the East. Uh, and Bede, like you say, is playing fantastic basketball at the moment. Um, really putting together a stellar campaign. So, yeah, for those of you who are listening, uh, try try check out the Sixers, check out Embiid, see what they got going on there. They are a Doc Rivers team, like Sai says, but there's still a lot to enjoy when we watch them. Um, yeah, I think if 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 I can add one one more piece on that, I I think their whole brand is going to be rest on their defense at the end of the day. They're bang average on the offensive end. Yeah. They're fifteenth. Uh, whereas in whereas they're in the top five in terms of defensive rating, um, so they just need to run. They need to run. That that's literally what their brand has to be. They need to try and keep their possessions as little as they can in uh, the half court because unless Joel Embiid is getting the bucket or Harris is doing his little ISO bits and his best Carmelo Anthony impression, yeah, it's <laughs> it's gonna get long for them. Right? It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um, I'll be looking at Seth Curry to be a, a big piece as well, um, just in terms of their full spacing and his ability to drain those threes. Because when you look across at the Mavs um, and how stagnant they look at offense outside of Luca, um, his importance and just the importance of players of that ilk, which are very few and far between in the league, um, cannot be more overstated. Um, but on the other side, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. Um, fifth win in a, a row. Uh, they're now 15 and nine. Uh, was even 16 and nine. Give me, let me, let me double check that there. Uh, yeah, so they are now 16 and nine, fourth in the fourth in the Western Conference. Um, listen, you, you know me, you know me, 
big big CP3 fan. Uh, he was he was solid yesterday. Um, but a player who's um, had a slow start, and honestly, we'll talk about this because I think it's been by design. Uh, Devin Booker, he he exploded yesterday. Um, what a guy. Yeah, let's let's talk about Devin Booker. Let's let's talk about Devin Booker. Let's talk about um, the Phoenix Suns. Are they, are they a team that uh, we should be taking seriously, or do you, do you want to see more? One hundred percent. When they got CP three, I was I was as excited as anybody else. I've been a big Devin Booker fan for the time that he's been in the league. That that's another guy who is a pure scorer, can score from anywhere at any time. It doesn't matter who you put on him. Ben Simmons is definitely suffering from vertigo today because he was getting spun for the whole, whole game. Um, he's getting dragged into areas where he didn't want to be. He just couldn't He couldn't get close to Devin Booker. And the, the Phoenix Suns are, are an interesting one because they're pretty much bottom when it comes to pace. So they don't, they don't get a bunch of possessions per game. They're very methodical about how they go about their business. But they're the fourth best team in terms of defense or sixth at the minute. Um, and their offense is, again, it's pretty average in terms of offensive rating, but they're one of the most balanced teams in the NBA. If, if you look at across to the Utah Jazz, they're a team that have the pieces, but don't necessarily have that standout player who every single night is going to carry them over the line. And I'd say Phoenix are very much of that ilk. They're a team oriented team. Um, they move the ball well. They look for mismatches. Um, when when push comes to shove, they lean on their their stars' ability, um, and that that for me is the most impressive thing. Is it's never totally reliant on Devin Booker just carrying them, but in the moments where they need him to elevate his game to that sort of upper tier all star level, he can do that. Um, and last night was was a massive testament to that. I think that's five wins on the bounce for them as well. So yeah, they're just getting busy, man. They're just getting busy. Agreed. Like, when you look at his stats, they're down on his usual. Um, but I think what was very much a big deal for them um, starting the season was making sure the other guys kind of got reps. Because if yeah. it's um, if it's Devin, and, Devin or Die, they're not going to go anywhere. So um, you, you're looking to get more from Aiton. You're looking to develop Michael uh, Bridges. Uh, you're looking for contributions from eight to one more off the bench. Um, and like you say, most games they'll keep it steady, um, feed the hot hand. Um, a player we've spoken about him earlier, uh, but I caught I caught some of the game um, yesterday myself. DeAndre Ayton wasn't stellar. Um, it was eleven. He was awesome. <laughs> it was eleven. Oh, jeez. It was eleven and six against. Um, one of the premier defenders in the league in in um, Joel Embiid. Um, what does he need to do to to, to make the jump? Because his his overall um, stats again, when you read off the screen, all right, fourteen and twelve, two assists. Um, but what does he do to need to do to make the jump? Because I look at him and a lot of the time he's almost maybe a bit scared to to go, get contact. And it's like he gets the ball under the under the basket. You're seven foot, bro. I just want you to go up, either get the dunk. Or get the free throws, and you you go to the line and you you convert them. But he still seems a bit timid, and I think as long as he's as timid as he is, it caps them somewhat. Because you need as much as we are a wing um, and guard orientated league, you need 
a, a strong post presence. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on DeAndre Ayton? Uh, I'm 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 sick of this guy. I, I I I look at him next to Joel Embiid and he looks absolutely tiny. Like, and that that's funny because he is a, a massive dude as well. But he just looks he looks small, and it's not so much his physical stature is the way he carries himself. He just doesn't look like a big presence ever. And it's it's a bit frustrating for me because like I, I like skill-based players and I, I was hoping that he would take a jump in that regard. Um, but it is looking like his his sort of uh, next thing to try and become is to just become a defensive specialist. Like take pride in that side of the ball and just anchor that defense because they don't need you to, to be this flashy post player like a Jokic or even an Embiid at this point. They just need you to get garbage buckets and protect the paint. That's yeah. what this team need from you because they've, they've got Saric who can play that sort of stretch five role. Again, a skill-based player who's not really going to give you too much on the defensive end or with rebounding the ball. So that should be Aiton's US, USP at this point. He needs to just learn how to play defense proficiently learn how to anchor that team and be a real asset because at the minute he just looks, he looks lost all the time, man. Like, as you said, he, he's scared to generate contact on both ends of the ball. And when the play does start to speed up around him and sort of see him looking around like that John Travolta uh, Pulp Fiction meme where he's sort of <laughs> searching for his keys or whatever. He's, he doesn't know where his assignments are or where yeah. he's supposed to rotate. And it's super frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, listen, the CP3 effect goes without saying, it's proven it on multiple franchises, but I'm really looking forward to watching them. If they can get themselves a kind of fourth, fifth, sixth seed, um, then you're talking about a second round, a second round berth and, and, and being a tough out for whoever comes across them. And you know how injuries go in the playoffs and next thing you know, you're in the, you're in the Western Conference Finals. So we'll keep a close eye on the, we'll keep a close eye on the Suns. Um, listen, I'd be remiss not to, to ask you about your, your, your Brooklyn Nets. Um, never too far from the news. Um, yeah, you played yesterday against the Golden State Warriors. You won 134 to 117. Um, nothing, nothing heavy, nothing <laughs> heavy, sign light. Um, but I wanted to get your, your thoughts on how, how your uh, Nets are doing. Um, the things you like, the things you don't like, and um, what you're looking to see going going forward and also your thoughts on Steve Nash I've seen some interesting quotes from him recently so the Steve Nash the Steve Nash bit is a good part to to sort of touch on because uh James Harden and Kyrie Irving have been very very vocal in terms of defensive effort um we've seen them both pull DeAndre Jordan to the side and sort of get in his ear and be like bro you gotta start doing something we need something from you big man because you're giving us nothing um so Steve Nash has started to sort of focus on that side of the ball a bit more. And I think it was naturally going to go that way. You build up the, the strengths and then you address the weaknesses a lot of the time, um, just because we know what this team's identity is going to be. Um, it does still worry me that like we've, we've gone this many games and not really addressed the rotation. Um, we're seeing different lineups pretty much every day. And it's not because... It's not because we're tailoring our style to the opposition. It's just they haven't figured out who is worthy of a spot in the rotation. 
and that can be frustrating both as a fan and if you've played basketball as a player, it can be quite frustrating as well because you don't build up rhythm with your teammate. Um, positive signs, though, is the effort on D is increasing. We are becoming a better rebounding team. We're not, we're not just allowing so many additional possessions per game as well over the last maybe two or three games. Um, and finally, I've seen the commitment to actually playing defense mm. by just taking DeAndre out of the lineup, as we saw yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you'd kept Allen, it would have been unfair, to be honest. So yeah. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually enjoying the fact that you guys are going to have to genuinely work for this and guys are going to have to buy in on, on, on both ends of the both ends of the floor for this to be successful. Like I see KD and he's back now. Um, he seems to relish that side. Um, he's going to get nice. you 28 to 30 regardless. So um, it's just about feeding the hot hand, which is what it feels like they tend to do. And everybody taking their assignments seriously. So again, another team that I'm going to look for to... Um, I'm going to look for to look for pieces, look for potential trades. Um, sometimes, even with Joe Harris, it almost feels like, do you need him? Like, I've, I've like, been well documented. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 quite funny actually. Like um, in the lead up to to the last couple of games, so we played um, Indiana a few nights back, beaten by ten points. Mm. Sabonis got locked down by DeAndre. It was all looking, it was all looking a lot better. Um, and for me, I've, I've been saying we need just one defensive player on the wing. Um, we know that we're going to play KD at the four, so the floor is going to be super, super spaced. And we're going to basically have to rotate on defense because none of these guys are fantastic one-on-one -on -one defenders, bar, bar maybe KD. Um, so I was calling for Bruce Brown to get starts. Um, if those of you that aren't familiar with him, he got acquired early, early in the season. Um, from Detroit, defensive focus player, doesn't give you too much on offense. He's not your traditional three and D guy. He's not that good of a shooter, but his defensive energy for a six, four guy is superb. Um, he's very aggressive seeking rebounds as well. And last night against the Golden State Warriors, he played at the five. Um, so I was, on, I was on the Twitter, I was making my jokes about it, reminded me of playing basketball in the UK where the big guy gets put at the center and the little guy that can't do anything on offense just goes around and does all the dirty work. <laughs> Very much that type of game. Um, but Bruce Brown held his own. He rebounded the ball well. He was cutting aggressively to the basket, was on the end of a lot of James Harden's 16 assists. Um, and we just look gen generally better as a team having one guy who can move and can mm. play defense. And DeAndre yeah. doesn't necessarily offer you that. Agreed, agreed. Harden's hooping, man. He, he, he's really, he's, he's very, so enjoyable to watch. Um, it's got that old man game on lock. I, I, I think it's, I so, it. it's such, even though he, put, he puts up his buckets regardless of where he plays, it's such a noticeable difference when you can see a player's enjoying their basketball. And that's very, very much the case with um, Harden. Um, on the Nets. So you got the 76ers, you got the Nets, probably everybody's um, faves for an Eastern Conference final. Um, if you were to meet today, who do you think takes it? I think we dust them, I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, so 
<laughs> Let me be clear here. Like, obviously, yeah. the 76ers are a good team. But I don't know who guards these guys man for man. I don't know how Joel Embiid stays on the on the floor for four, for anything more than maybe 20-odd minutes in, in that matchup because they're just going to get run ragged. If we switch to a small lineup, it doesn't really matter if we rebound the ball if we hit all of our baskets. Um, and over the course of this season, everything's been dropping. Um, a lot was made in the lead-up to this of how, how these three, quote-unquote, ball-dominant players are going to mesh together. I was very clear in saying James Harden would be the person that would have to change his style. Lo and behold, it happened. I don't just talk to talk. Um, Kyrie Irving's been playing off ball. Kyrie Irving's been probably the most proficient scorer of the three. And KD has proved once again, he's probably the star, or forget probably, he's definitely the star that is able to adjust his game to any style of basketball, more so than anybody else in the league. Yeah. Um, so from that standpoint, if everybody's eating, where's the issue? There is no issue. On offense, there's no problem. Kyrie yeah. Irving isn't the best one-on-one defender, or he's not the best defender, period. But he puts in effort. James Harden, if you put him at the base of a zone, is actually quite crafty. And again, KD's uh, length and sort of ability to disrupt people's shots is always going to be an asset. So realistically, there's not too many teams that I'm worried about. It's just those little moments where we play down to our opposition or have lapses on defense yeah, comfy, in man. multiple like, possessions. You've got, you've got the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate cheat code. It's like, it's almost like pickup, man. And it's like, all right, score, but like, I know we're going to outscore, like score as many That's as you right. want. Score as many as you want. It really doesn't matter. We're going to outscore you. So we're just going to chill, man. And then last few minutes, close game. Okay, let's actually play some serious um, defending. Let's actually put in effort. Let's win our rebounds. Let's box out. Um, but it's, fu- it's fun to watch non- nonetheless, man. Every game with the Nets. And when somebody in my fantasy team has got the Nets that week, I know they're putting up they're putting up high, high numbers. numbers. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so long way to continue. Um, before we go, let's just, uh, just a quick touch uh, update on, on All-Stars voting and where we are. Um, so, Western Conference, as you can expect, LeBron James uh, with 4.3 million votes. You've got Jokic second with 3 million. Um, Kawhi third with 2.4. So, those guys are looking pretty comfy, even though um, Anthony Davis is about 100,000 or so votes behind um, Kawhi. Disgraceful, but listen, he's at the Lakers. Star power, man. You know, you know... <laughs> A- a- AD AD has been killing me this year on fantasy. Everybody's like, you know what? I think he's doing what disappointing, nonetheless. But I th- I feel like he's doing what everyone thought LeBron would do, which was coast. Yeah, I think he's coasting through. Like, I think he's content. I'm a champion. You know, I've I've done that part now. Gonna chill through the regular season. Put up my effort here or there. As we get closer to the the playoffs, lock in. And he's gonna have a. I think he's yes, he he's too talented. Just too he was, he was asked the other about. day by a reporter, um, what other guy do you know that can turn it on like LeBron James? And he yeah. and he sort of chuckled and said, you're looking at him type of thing. <laughs> Man, this, oh my days. You, you can't be that cocky with one eyebrow, man. You can't. It's not fair. Like, 
how big you are, how skilled you are. Like, just play the game, man. Like, without LeBron, you didn't make it far in the playoffs. Just be humble. Sit down. Be yeah. humble. Like, That's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen. He's, he's a champion now. You can't, you can't tell him. I can't, I can't wait to see them get slapped. Like, I can't wait to see it. Like, I'm, I pray for nothing more than for them to get slapped now because I don't like that, man. Like, yeah. you've won one chip and you were the B guy. Nah, just leave it. <laughs> I don't I don't mind. I mean, I, I, we know what AD is about. I agree he's probably been a bit too cocky, but um, your, your proof's in the pudding. They don't win that day. He was, he was brilliant in the playoffs. Um, he does it again, and, and, his, and his hype is justified. Um, looking across to the Eastern uh, Conference front court, we've got KD with 4.2 million votes, Yanis with 3.2. Joel Embiid with three, and they're, they're comfy. Um, the next person is Tatum with one point six. I don't think we have any issues with those those three being the front court for the East. I think they've pretty much distinguished themselves. Justified it, yeah. Yep. Uh, on the Western Conference, our guards we've got Steph four million votes, Luca two point four, almost two point five. I ain't happy with that, but you know they've marketed the, they've marketed the hell out of him. Um, and then you've got Dame, who's uh, behind Luca with two million. May catch him, doubt it though. And then the next person is Donovan Mitchell with not even half a million. So there's a <laughs> there's a huge there's a huge drop. But we know that the the Jazz are going to have two or potentially even three players in the Western Conference side, just as testament to. Yeah, they deserve it, man. Agreed, agreed. And then for the guards, <clears throat> we've got Bradley Bill, two point five million votes. Uh, that's the guards in the East. Bradley Bill, two point five million votes. Kyrie, two point one. Uh, James a bit behind him with 1.8 um, and then um, Jalen Brown bringing up the rear with 1 million and um, I think everything's kind of sorted itself out Point. Um, I'm hoping that in some way they almost don't play the game and it would be lovely if they could just let the votes stand this year you're an all-star um, yeah. but they see that, that there's, there's no need to necessarily play the game just in terms of safety but it's Atlanta, man. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. A... Yeah, it's a, something, something mad is gonna happen, man. Atlanta's yeah. been open all year, anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. They haven't stopped. They haven't stopped. So, um, yeah, just want to thank you for your time on this on this here sacred day. Uh, no, you'll probably be spending the rest of the day making up for it. Um, uh, for I, sent, those... I sent I sent the kids kids out. They they went for a walk. So. Oh yeah, makes sense. <laughs> um, for those of you who are still listening. Uh, we've sent across a listener survey. Uh, we want to get your thoughts on what we're doing well, what we're not doing so well. Um, I'll attach it uh, in the bio or the, sorry, the, the description notes for this episode. Just give it a click, give your thoughts. And yeah, keep, keep listening, man. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.